When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What up, everybody? I'm going to initiate a call to action for everyone to donate $1.99 so that you can access the back catalog of the podcast as well as to help your podcast grow. I'm trying to grow the podcast and I want to do that with you guys and make it better and brighter and bring you more information. So if you want to access the back catalog and help support me as an artist, I appreciate you. And please donate at anchor.fm underneath Lockdown Universe. Thanks so much and enjoy the show. What up, what up, what up? Welcome back to Lockdown Universe, home of the bizarre, peculiar, and unheard of stories of UFO, legend, and paranormal lore. Welcome back. Welcome back. Happy to be back. Hopefully you guys are doing well and taking care of yourselves. So today, I came across a really interesting article. It talks about a very bizarre uh, UFO alien abduction case um, from the 70s, actually May 10th, 1978. To be exact, um, I believe it was uh, in Poland. And this comes to us from the Mysterious Universe website. Now, this case is interesting because it's very different. Uh, at least I should say the aliens are very different um, in their communication, in their look, in their presence, and kind of what happens during the alien abduction. So, very cool stuff. <clears throat> Let's check it out. So... Um, sorry, I just got done running around with my dogs and uh, a little bit out of breath, not, <laughs> not stressed out, just trying to catch my breath. So, um, this one's, this one happened in Poland, May 10th, 1978. Uh, it happened to a farmer named Jan Wolski, uh, who was driving his horse cart in the morning, returning from a village, uh, called Dabrawa towards a city called Emilson in Poland. Now, the day was pretty much kind of a standard day, just kind of, you know, going about his normal farming cap- uh, duties, I should say, and capabilities, uh, when he came across uh, two short humanoids, but not really short, about five feet in height, uh, and they had green faces with, quote-unquote, kind of like like tilted slant slanted eyes pointing downward um, with some quote-unquote white in their eye corners so he could see the eye eye the whites of their eyes which is interesting because that's definitely different from uh, the gray aliens and these things uh, had green faces uh, they also had protrude, protruding cheekbones now you don't really hear about that in grays you hear that a lot about you know like uh, our Native Americans, or some some uh, Eastern, far Eastern Europeans, really high pronounced cheekbones. Not really the case with grays or any any of the other you know species that we've kind of come across. Uh, he also stated they were wearing one piece suits, 
and uh, their black outfits also covered their foreheads. Now think about that for a minute. What that really sounds like is kind of like the Flash's outfit, the Flash from the DC Comics, where he has a basically a one-piece suit, and he has a, a he has a kind of a helmet, not a helmet, but well, sometimes some versions it's almost helmet-like, uh, either made out of leather or some fabric that goes all the way over his his uh, forehead and then covers his eyes. It doesn't say it covers their eyes in this one, but it does say it covers their entire forehead, and it was black. Of course, the flash is red. <laughs> so uh, these two creatures uh, actually seem to be engaged in discussion and totally ignored uh, Dabrowski, but... Um, is that right? Am I saying his name right? Oh, Wolski, I'm sorry. Dabrow, Dabrow was the city. Wolski is the farmer's name. Uh, so they seem to be just in conversation. Uh, they didn't even notice him. Um, it wasn't until Wolski passed between them that they both casually hopped onto his cart as if it was just kind of like an everyday ordinary thing, which seems to be strange. Um, <laughs> so they then continued talkering, talking to each other in a strange alien language. Um, that was described as sounding like a, a petite, petite, petite over and over again in a staccato and incomprehensible delivery. Now you have to imagine that any language that's going to be audible from aliens is going to sound very bizarre. That's what's really interesting to me. So many evolved species have this telecommunication down pat, telepathy, right? They don't need... To, to be verbal like we are we don't really necessarily need to be verbal either however you know we haven't forced ourselves to take it to the next level um so he states that um now that he was closer to the beings he was able to describe them and this is what he stated he stated i noticed that they were small of the same height and all of them were rather snappy in nature i don't know if that means like well-dressed, you know, kind of back in the day. Um, I noticed then one thing. Around each finger, there was a thin, tiny fin, sort of like webbed hands. On their upper necks, in a place where the hair began, they had something resembling lumps. It was round and protruding, and I don't know about its nature, whether it was an anatomical part of them, or they had something hidden. I didn't notice any hair since the whole bodysuit covered the body uh, and obscured their foreheads. But they had no brows, I think. No eyebrows. They were all they were completely dressed in it. The same one piece suit covered their legs and their heads, and they had no shoes. Very interesting. So he was unsettled by these two strangers just hopping on his uh, cart. <laughs> uh, but the beings then gestured to him to keep on going. He felt strangely compelled to continue going, and then he came across a rectangular, purely white craft, like polished aluminum, and these are, these are quotes, so these are his descriptions, hovering over the ground with four barrels on the craft corners with black drills that seemed to rotate 
around its axis with great speed as they emitted a humming noise like a like bumblebees in flight. This is so cool. Dude, could you imagine just seeing a craft, just you're walking along and like walking on a path or walking out in the woods, and all of a sudden you see this craft that you know is not from earthly origin. It's just sitting there hovering, not using any kind of propulsion devices that we know of. I mean, dude, like, what do you do at that point? Do you pee your pants? Do you crap your pants? Do you run? Do you take out your cell phone camera? Do you pass out? Like, do you make a phone call? Like, like what? what is going to be your immediate animalistic instinct, right? Because you're not going to be in your normal rational mind. Of course, most of us would probably take out our phone, try to take a picture. I don't know about you, but it would take me like at least a minute to even get my freaking camera app open, even though I have a pretty sophisticated phone, it takes, I have to put in a code because I use the phone for work and they make me lock it using the software. And then like, then I'd have to get my camera, click on the camera app, click it open, move it over to, to video and make sure it's working. So that's like, that's the scenario that I would have to go into. It's a big pain in the ace and uh, it would take forever. I don't know if I, and the thing is, once you're, once you're doing that on your phone, you're engaged on your phone, right? Like you're, you can't focus on the craft. What if you only have a few seconds with this craft and you want to engage with it somehow or, or observe something or write, write something down in your mind about it, you know, like something special, like, like, you know, Jim Penniston, you know, when he wrote down everything that he could see, all the different language that was on the outside or the symbols, but you know, let's face there, it's a language of some sort. Um, you know, there might be all that kind of stuff going through your head. But anyway, um, he stated that there was a platform that was leading from the hovering craft to the ground and, uh, the entities moved him forward towards it. Uh, and then this, this was his quote, we were driving ahead for some time and then they ordered me to stop. They didn't speak in words, but expressed it with their hands, which is really fascinating, right? Again, no telepathy. So I understood it, and I began urging the horse to stop. And one of the beings pulled the pulled and caught the reins. Um, and when it stopped, they got off the cart in the same way, on the pre as they previously got on, and gave me a sign with their hands to go with them. I tied my horse and got off and went at, went after them toward the machine. It was a tiny elevator of some kind and, that could hold two people. Uh, and maybe it couldn't carry two large people, but it sh surely could hold delicate ones. And he then went forth and set his foot onto the craft and followed him. And it soon lifted up rapidly in and, uh, into the craft door. The whole craft could be about four meters above the ground and maybe 4.5 meters. And that stops. I don't know what that. I don't know if he's trying to give some sort of length or height measurement or what. But he says it was about four meters off the ground, which is what you know, four times three. That's like twelve feet off the ground. It's pretty decently high. I mean, you know, higher than a basketball hoop. Um, so what's interesting is when he got on the craft, um, he noticed that the interior was a grayish black, um, in contrast to the white exterior. Now, this is really different, guys. I mean, because in so many craft that are, you know, on the outside, silver, you know, typically like a dull gray silver, gunmetal silver maybe, to a, a little bit more shinier silver, um, 
this is very different. This they had a white exterior. I've only heard of one other craft that's had a white exterior, and it was while um, there was a um, top secret military group um, from another podcast I had listened to, and I'd, I'd covered him as well, um, where he they were down in, oh gosh, I want to say Brazil again, uh, you know, in the Brazil and Peru area, but they were in Brazil, and they were on like a two-day hike to get to this craft. And when they got there, this thing was covered in white tiles that were very bizarre and looked like they could, like, change their color, intonation, texture, all of that. Um, and then when they got inside the craft, they were able to see screens. And on those screens and on the information that they had to retrieve, the information was in a different language. Um, they brought some scientists with them to pull off this uh, the, pull out the data off of this craft. And when they did that, um, they used um, some different machinery that they had brought with. Um, but one of the scientists said that, that that language that they saw freaked him out. He was like wanting to get exit out of the craft because he noticed that this language was like biblical, like, or even like, you know, uh, like an evil kind of a language. So it's really fascinating. Um, you know, but then again, that's a totally different story. Let's go with this one here. Um, so, white exterior to the craft, but grayish black on the inside. Why would it be grayish black? It's such a darkening, shortening, smallening color on the inside of any any room or any craft, right? Like, you don't paint your rooms black in your house because it's going to make the room seem small. You paint it a light color to make it appear bigger in your mind. Um, and so that's bizarre. Um he stated that there were several crows lying near the wall that seemed to be somewhat paralyzed and they were moving with their wings, legs, and heads, but they weren't moving around. It's almost like they were stopped in time or space. He noticed that there were another two more of the humanoids inside the craft, which urged him towards them. Again, with their physical hands and, and gestures, not with telepathy. Uh, when Wolski reached the bench, they basically gestured again for him to sit. And this is what he states. He says, they showed me, uh, through their gestures to dress down. I was half naked to my waist and maybe not fully because I was undressing and I removed my jacket and then my blouse with four buttons. And when I began to undo the two upper ones, the being that was on the elevator with me undid the two bottoms, two bottom buttons. When I was undressing, the fourth being appeared, that one who remained on the ground. Uh, well, when I was partially undressed to my waist and stood in place, I received an order to undress completely. So I took off my shoes, and one of the present beings then appeared in front of me with an appliance in the form of two dishes combined in his hands that looked like saucers. They revolved... Uh, they turned, they revolved me holding my arm slightly. So it sounds like they turned him, they raised his arm up and began doing something on his side with those plates. And then from behind on the other side, uh, they did the same thing. Then he showed me to dress up. After this order, I began to dress up and I looked around, but there were neither windows nor lights visible. I couldn't see anything. They had something that might be food in the form of icicles. 
They were crumbling it into small chips and inserting it into their mouth. There were no crushing sounds. The food was crushing as hardened dough without any sounds. Uh, the entity then pointed his finger um, on the item uh, in an icicle shape and asked me, not by words, but by gesticulating, that I could, I could eat it. They wanted to treat me with this item. They wanted to give them a treat. But it was somewhat strange, and I showed with my head that I wouldn't eat it. Then he showed me to dress up, and I did. And I was about to go off the craft, as the being said. When I was about to do it, I turned back, took off my cap, saying goodbye. All of them took a bow. They took a step ahead, and I found myself on the ground. I could only observe the craft uh, at a distance of about 15 meters, because it then hid behind some bushes. I was in a hurry to reach home and inform my sons about the incident. When he got home, he told his wife and his sons about what happened, and he, had them, he asked them to go outside and see if they could see the craft. When they went outside to where the incident had taken place, they would not only see it for themselves, but also find physical signs that were left behind by the craft and its occupants. So, this is really interesting, because not only, you know, is he telling this story, you know, and anybody can make up a story, but now there's physical signs that it actually happened. Um, they were actually able to see where this craft was. Um, I'm looking through here. They saw footprints. They, um, soon two other men joined them. Uh, they were inspecting more of the footprints, some strange other footprints that were nearly rectangular in shape. So that's really interesting, rectangular in shape. We don't have rectangular in shape feet, right? We have a round back heel. Then we've got kind of like, you know, a little bit of a jutting out of our side of our foot and a straight straightening of the inside of the foot. And then our toes kind of go down at an angle, right? It's not very rectangular. It's kind of, you know, it's very primate-oriented, primate right? Um, so now, you know, these law officers started coming in and these local inhabitants started coming in and checking things out. And um, it started putting Wolski in the limelight. Uh, he was getting some attention he really didn't want. Um, he really didn't appreciate all the information, all, all the attention. And, um, you know, people were starting to give it to him. A psychologist who examined Wolski declared him to be an honest man of sound mind. Uh, according to his friends, he was basically a no-nonsense, no you know, reliable, honest guy. Um, no reason to make up this story. Um, you know, and <laughs> he found it interesting because he said, you know what people said about me? They call me an alcoholic. And they said it was just a dream. Well, a lot of people, they don't want to believe. They don't want to believe that there's a more powerful species out there that could dominate us at any second, you know? And that, that's a scary thought for a lot of people. Then again, we've been here for thousands of years and we're still here, right? Um, so he even said that there was, um, you know, different people that were taking trips to where he, where he had his, his experience. And people would try to harass him. 
Sorry, ask questions, you know, try to figure out more information. Um, unfortunately, Wolski died in 1990. Um, his case obviously still remains very popular in Poland. Um, you know, and a lot of people were very interested so much so that they made a monument that was erected in his hometown of Emilson just for the story. Now, isn't it funny? Because even in Roswell, we have a Roswell McDonald's. If you haven't seen it, just Google Roswell McDonald's. It's one of the coolest McDonald's. It's shaped in the form of a UFO, and it's so cool looking. I'd love to see it someday in real life. But, um, you know, we do the same thing. We have Bigfoot statues in Washington. We have Bigfoot statues in other states. We have uh, the, um, the Flatwoods Monster statues. We have the Kecksburg Bell statue uh, with the symbols. You know, I mean, there's so many of these statues that have been erected for these events. And, you know, people, people, you know, think about it as folklore. But the fact of the matter is, is that somebody saw it. They reported it. And because of their reporting, this entity was created. These statues were created. So, you know, it's just so funny to me that, 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 you know, UF ufologists like us still feel the need for validation from the government. Yeah, that'd be all great and all dandy, but in all honesty, we don't need it. These statues are erected for a reason. People saw it. People made it. People saw this stuff back in the cave drawing era, and they made it. They drew it right? They saw it, they drew it. You see these memes on Facebook. They saw the bull, they drew the bull or carved the bull into these cave drawings. They saw the UFO or the alien or the, you know, whatever, insectoid, gray, whatever, and they drew it and they carved it. They called them uh, Wanginas back in, in the Australian Aborigines, uh, you know, and they're called, you know, all kinds of different things all around the world. Um, and probably different species are called different things as well. So, I mean, we don't need the government to come out and say it. We have the information here. We have these stories that are written down and give us more detail than probably the government ever could. Because we're seeing it with our own eyes. And the government is only going to second-hand report stuff, with the exception of the, the craft that they actually have. So, what do you think about this? Do you think that um, it's kind of different isn't it it's very different from many ufo uh, abduction cases almost every alien abduction case has telepathy in it most alien abduction cases have the grays in some form or fashion they have the four foot grays or the three foot grays and then they also have some other species along with them whether that's the nordics whether it's reptilians whether it's uh the mantis like beings insectoids so on and so forth but these beings are different right they had webbed hands they had uh, a bump in their neck like almost like a gill right that they couldn't this individual couldn't see because they had the onesie on you know the one piece that went over their foreheads i've never heard of a one piece that goes over the forehead that's really new to me and they had green faces that's fairly new, too. I've only heard, you know, green faces, you know. He didn't say there's any reptilian qualities to them, and they didn't have any. Um, but the web thing, right? Isn't that fascinating? 
that they must have originated on kind of like a watery planet or it come out of the water, um, you know, and, and evolved from that. Or they manipulated their DNA so that they could have webbed fingers so that they could adapt to their environment more. You know, it's there's lots of ways that uh, the body can be changed, but if it was due to evolution, natural evolution, then that wouldn't that be fascinating? There was a case um, in New Mexico uh, where an individual came across, uh, he was a famous country singer, not super famous, but famous enough, um, and I'd have to pull it up, I can't remember his name, it's Johnny something, not Johnny Cash, um, <laughs> but uh, he was driving along, and he was like by Vegas or something like that, just outside of it, and these two beings were there, and they had their head like kind of like in these in enclosed water containers, and they asked him, you know, they asked him a few questions, kind of like about where some some certain uh, locations were, you know, and, and asked him about the planet and kind of like perspectives, just a few questions, and they were like about their way, and so was he. Um, so the idea of an aquatic-like creature um, having the capability to traverse the universe isn't that far-fetched. Very fascinating stuff. I love this stuff. I hope you do too. I'm going to end it there. I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. I hope you guys are taking care of yourselves physically, spiritually, and emotionally. Following through on your hobbies and your goals and your dreams. And as always, continue to question the universe around you. Until next time, guys, take care. Lockdown Universe out.